You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, I want to welcome you back to Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. If you were listening to us earlier in the year, you may have wondered what happened to Jacob and Keith. Are they still with us? And uh, we are. We had to take some weeks off uh, for some things going on in our lives, but we are back today. And we are going just to pick off, pick up right where we left off in 1 Timothy chapter 5. But before we get there, Keith, glad to have you back with us today on the podcast. And I'm, I'm glad to be back. It's been a while, but I'm looking forward to our continued conversation. It has been a while. I'm looking at you on my computer screen. You've really aged since July. So Yeah, I'm like a fine cheese. I age well. Fine. <laughs> fine cheese. That sounds like words of a preacher. Okay. Um, well, we're going to get going here with our nice and uh, young and dapper Keith Harris. And we're going to talk about, talking about aging well, we're going to talk about widows today. We thought we'd talk about something really controversial. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <coughs> widows is on the list. So I'm sure all of our listeners are just dying to hear what we have to say about about widows. No pun intended on that, by the way. That just <laughs> done on me. Bad, bad choice of words. Let's get started. Let's get started. First Timothy um, chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. <clears throat> Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions too, so that no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. All right, Keith. So uh, Paul's starting to end this first letter of, of Timothy. And he starts talking about all of these different relationships. 
And my first question today, why do you think he's so adamant that these conversations and dealings among brethren operate like a family? So God designed the church to function as a family. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see it in various places throughout uh, the New Testament, particularly through Acts. We see, um, you know, supporting one another, caring for one another, uh, and and meeting the needs of one another, and very much in a, uh, you know, a family-type atmosphere, very much the way a family would operate. And, uh, you know, God... God desires us to have that kind of relationship with one another. Now, some people struggle with that because uh, they have, you know, difficult uh, family situations and they wonder, well, you know, here's, here's the kind of family I grew up in. And so is that what the church is, is going to be like? Well, I mean, you know, we have to make sure that, that we're understanding kind of the, the context of what's happening here. And that is there was a lot of persecution going on. Um, There was a lot of internal strife going on, and and Timothy was charged by Paul to remain there in Ephesus so that he could instruct the congregation in certain ways. Um, And and as a matter of fact, earlier in his writing, you know, Paul was very clear that he was sharing these words with Timothy so that um, they would know how they are to conduct themselves in the household of God. And so with that context in view— um, you know, making sure that our conversations, making sure that our interactions are very much, um, you know, in a, a, a family type setting um, is appropriate to what God established the church to be. As a matter of fact, Jesus um, is Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, where Jesus uh, is seen there um, teaching. And as he's teaching, somebody comes in and says, hey, your, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to talk to you. And Jesus says, um, in response to that, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then the text tells us he stretched out his hand uh, toward his disciples and he said, the one who does the will of my father is my mother, my brother, my sister. Essentially, Jesus is saying, my followers are a family. Mm-hmm. So I think even from the early, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the early time in Jesus's ministry, he understood that uh, God's desire for his people was to function as a family. Mm-hmm. And so I think Paul here is just carrying that over uh, in his writing to Timothy, saying this is how you need to function. This is how they need to function together. Yeah, great points. And it's not just the familial relationship, but also differences of generations here. Um, you know, Paul is indicating that there should be conversations going on between the older and the younger, um, but they should be done in the right way. And we struggle a lot in congregations. I think every congregation struggles with this, the generational gap between having dialogue, conversation, interaction between older members and younger members and vice versa. And Paul clearly says you need to have these interactions. Don't rebuke an older man harshly. Treat him like your father. Treat a younger man as your brother, an older woman as your mother, a younger woman as your sister. So there's different ages within churches, different genders within churches, different personalities within churches. 
And as you've so well said, all of them need to operate uh, the way that a healthy family would operate. And uh, he even goes down to verse 4 when he starts talking about these these widows. He he begins by saying, listen, if, if a widow has family still alive, that family needs to take care of her, right? It doesn't need to be the burden, financial burden of the church. But um, he says in verse 4, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. Hmm. For this is pleasing to God. Let's talk a minute about the the grandparents thing. I can understand children taking care of their parents and, uh, you know, <laughs> children honoring their parents, but spreading this across two generations. Why does he do that? Not just parents, but also grandparents and grandchildren. You know, there are uh, differing views on this. And, and I think part part of uh, what we see culturally speaking is that, um, you know, their families uh, consisted differently at that time uh, than what we see today. Now, uh, some cultures uh, today, you know, you still see, uh, you know, children, parents and then grandparents all living under the same roof. Um, and, and so that may be more uh, along the lines of what's happening here uh, is that, that Paul's just trying to say, uh, listen, you need to make sure that you understand your responsibility to those that are older than you, those that have um, paved the way for you to where you are now. They supported you as you were younger, as they get older and are unable to support themselves, then you have a responsibility to support them. You know, I was, I was thinking about this particular point of, of making sure to, to return to their parents, uh, what was given to them, but not only their parents, but to their grandparents also. Um, and, uh, in Matthew 15, where Jesus there is, is rebuking the, uh, the Pharisees. He's talking about the fact that, um, they follow their traditions, uh, at the expense of the will of God. Uh, and so um, in Matthew 15, verse 4, uh, Jesus says, For God commanded you, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Uh, verse 5, But you say, uh, If anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God or is an offering to God, um, he need not honor his father. And so for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. Jesus is saying, listen, you, you've tried to devise a way to where you can get out of your responsibility of caring for your parents. And I think by extension to your grandparents, mm -hmm. simply because you you are trying to tell them, well, I'm giving it as an offering to God, you know, uh, and so therefore. I don't owe you anything. Yeah, this all comes down to attitude and and uh, you know our our perspective on the call of God for our lives. And I think here the reason he brings in grandparents is just simply, uh, or I say simply, it may it may be as simple as uh, generations, uh, multiple generations living under the same roof. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy and commentary but especially the big difference in in cultural norms 
we live in a very much of a transient culture. You moved here from Arkansas. You still have family in Arkansas and I guess Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved back to the Dallas area a few years ago and we're blessed that all of our family is, is pretty much here in the DFW area, but a lot of families don't, don't have that flexibility and convenience. Whereas in the first century, it kind of was a, almost a compound type arrangement where if they didn't live under the same roof, roof, they certainly lived just down the road or maybe even across the road. So mm-hmm. if everyone is there <laughs> together, you can't take care of your parents and leave your grandparents out to dry. Um, but family's family. Family sticks together. And as you said so well at the beginning, that's not just by blood or by DNA. It's also spiritually. Right. Family takes care of family. So he transitions then into talking about how we take care of those in the church that often get overlooked. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, talks about one of the ways we prove that our religion is pure and faultless is by taking care of widows. Uh, Widows are often in need, and they were especially that way in the first century during persecution. Um, They are not normally wealthy unless they've been left a lot of money from a wealthy spouse. So he starts going through all of the different qualifications in the same way he did for elders in chapters uh, 3 and really in chapter 2 as well. these different scenarios they have to meet to be taken care of by the church. I think it is interesting, though, because it's almost, I wouldn't say contradictory, but different than what we read in Scripture in the sense that he says, okay, verse 5, one of the ways you clarify if this is a woman who should be supported by the church is if she puts all of her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. My question is, if prayer is supposed to be more of a private spiritual discipline, according to Jesus in Matthew 6. And we aren't supposed to go around bragging about the good things that we do. <laughs> how, how does a church know then if a widow spends a lot of time in prayer or does a bunch of good things? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I suppose you might be able to tell by um, her personality, uh, although, you know, obviously some some people are capable of, uh, putting up a facade and and uh, and the reality not not being what is put forward. Uh, but one uh, one thought that I would have with regard to that is, you know, if if a, a woman is um, you know is 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 faithful in her attendance to worship, if she is, uh, and not just not just that, but just uh, the, the uh, has the demeanor and uh, a caring, loving personality, one that is concerned for others rather than concerned for self, um, that's a pretty good indicator of a heart that's intent on doing the will of God. Um, it may be, and I, I, I had to look at this passage, um, verses 5 and 6 here, a couple of different times as I was looking through this, and, and really it it could be that verses five and six are just simple uh, instructions or indicators as to the life that a widow ought to live. Um, so rather than saying, uh, here is uh, a way that you can know if this particular widow uh, ought to be supported or not, rather than just simply saying that, like, 
examine her life and figure it out. Maybe it's a command that we see there in verse seven, where he says, command these things also. Um, maybe, maybe it's that the commands that he's talking about there is that uh, a widow ought to be the kind of person who continues uh, in prayers to God night and day, committing herself to the will of God, essentially, and not, in verse 6, the one who is self-indulgent, the one who is self-absorbed. Perhaps that's the intent behind what he's saying, rather than a checklist in this particular case. Now, again, I think think, um, a person's personality and lifestyle will give evidence to where their heart is. Um, and so there is a level of discernment that must take place. And, and certainly I think Paul puts that on Timothy here and by extension on the church even today. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, we're going at Preston Crest right now, we're going through a deacon selection process. I know you've been through several of those and yeah. it's no different when you go through an elder selection process. People always say, the men who need to be installed in these positions are already serving. It's clear who they are just mm-hmm. through the character of their life. They aren't trying to get the attention. And it's just, it's just evident, you know, yeah. hey, these, these guys are servants. These guys are leaders. I think probably the same is true here that you have a pretty good idea just by watching how people live, hearing the things that they say, the choices that they make, how they spend their time, use their time, whether or not there's someone who takes their faith seriously. Yeah. Um, right. And I'm confident the same would have been true back then. Okay, verse 8. Um, this is a verse that's often taken out of context about if you don't provide for your relatives, especially your immediate family, you're worse than an unbeliever. People often don't realize that verse is said in, in the context of taking care of widows and those right. in your specific family who need yep. help, we usually translate that to taking care of our children financially or <laughs> whatever it may be. Or are we putting our families in a constant financial bind every month? Do we have more more month than we have money type of thing? Um, but let's talk about that. Regardless of how we view it in the context of taking care of widows or taking care of those within our own homes, within the four walls of our house, what does it mean to really provide for our families? I think it's, uh, and again, this is just my opinion, but within the context here where it seems that, uh, you know, all the way back even to verse three, where the word honor is used there, the reference that keeps coming through is financial. Uh, and so I would say very, you know, just a very physical um, uh, supporting of or providing for your family in a very physical way. But, Again, you can't escape the uh, spiritual nature of what's being said here. And so I think it's both physical and spiritual, um, making sure that, uh, you know, that, that you are not slothful in your zeal as a, as a leader within your, your family, but rather you are fervent in serving them and making sure that they are well supplied for. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not just physically, though that seems to be in view here. But I think spiritually, uh, first and foremost, uh, making sure that uh, our families are well supplied for. Now, given the context, obviously, as you just pointed out, it has to do with uh, caring for uh, 
your family members that are widows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, uh, my grandmother, uh, when my grandfather died in 1986, I was 10 years old, uh, or about to be 10. And um, I, I, I grew up the rest of my time because I think by, by virtue of the uh, geography, because we live close to my, my grandmother, my mom's mom, um, I, I grew up with, with her, uh, with us a lot in my life because my mother, mm-hmm. you know, was caring for and supporting her mom. Um, and so I think there's, um, you know, certainly a, a truth in the teaching of Paul here that if, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have a family member who is widowed, then you have that responsibility to care for them and not push that responsibility over onto the church as a whole. Um, though I know many congregations support and, and, uh, and help widows who, who do, in fact, have family members. But the issue, again, is are those family members willing? And that's the point I think that Paul's trying to make here is that if, if you are so self-absorbed and self-consumed that you can't bring yourself to help uh, a family member who has lost their spouse, um, then your faith and your following of Jesus is not what it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and if you take it out of the context of taking care of widows or aging parents, um, you know, Ephesus is very much of an urban area. Uh, a lot of professional people would have been Ephesus for that time. Um, you and I, I live in North Dallas. You live north of Dallas, um, up in Louisville, a very affluent part of the world. Um, there's a difference between providing for your family and then lavishing your family with material possessions. And I think we tend to misinterpret this at times that, well, my job as a parent is to pay for my kids' education, um, which apparently now the government's going to help with that, but pay for my child's education. Uh, my job is to buy them a brand new car. My job is for them to have uh, the latest gadget. Um, I don't think that's what Paul's getting at here. And the spiritual influence of a parent is more provisional than a parent's monetary influence. Yeah. Well said. Okay. So you and I were talking about this before we started recording. Um, As he's going through this list of qualifications or qualities, we've talked about that with elders before. And I like your take on, on that, that it's more qualities than qualifications, but let's just go with qualities. Uh, Verse nine, Paul kind of, starts weeding out some people who could be on a list when he says, hey, um, if you put together a list of widows who need to be cared for and supported by the church, make sure that if someone's on the list, they have to be over the age of 60. That is incredibly random. Why do you think he lands on age 60 for this? I mean, it's, it's almost like you know, all right, when you're 62, you can go a Medicare type of deal. I mean, what, why, why 60? Really good question. 
but uh, I kind of wonder in this, uh, say this tongue in cheek, but uh, maybe this was close to the, the, the age that Paul was at this point, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, the age of 60, uh, it does seem arbitrary, random. Um, and, and uh, you know, there are other numbers, as we've talked about, that are that seem kind of random, you know. Um, but this may just be uh, an age, and I, I've, I've read some varying opinions on this, but it may just be that this was considered um, old age, uh, you know, with some suggesting life expectancy is, is younger even than 60, though I, I'm not convinced of that. Um, I do think 60 would have been considered an older person at this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, today, 60 is young, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but back then, you know, not so much. Right. And, and for, you know, for, for him to, to say an age may just be the fact that, uh, you know, um, given the, again, life expectancy or, you know, the shortness of life expectancy then, um, and then two, uh, an age of 60 might have been a little bit too old uh, or considered too old for someone to remarry. Whereas if you're younger than that, um, a a woman may very well remarry again, which would then remove that uh, element of support that would have been required from the church. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't really have a great answer, you know, for why it's 60. I think it does seem rather random Mm -hmm. and, thing I can come up with is just maybe this was considered uh, older age that likely was not going to remarry and therefore have more um, family members su- able to support them. Um, it's a good question. I hope you've got an answer. I don't have anything better than that. The, my only guess is life expectancy, Just yeah. which I read someone say was as low as 35 with, and I'm with you. I mean, I'm 35 right now, so that was depressing to read that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think 35 is a little aggressive on shortening life expectancy. Um, like I told you before we started with inflation, maybe it would have been 40. I don't know. Right. But uh, <laughs> that yeah. is, it's just random. It's so un-Paul-like. Uh, but it is interesting. But we see the principle. He's The principle is don't abuse this. You know, not anyone and everyone qualifies. So we do need to be somewhat um, careful, conservative, even subjective in how we formulate this list, which leads me to my next question. Um, Keith, I'm, I'm with my fourth church now. You, you've been with how many? Three churches? Uh, this is my fourth now. Okay. So... Have you, in your four churches and years of ministry, have you ever seen a church have a quote-unquote widow's list? And I don't mean list as in these are the list of widows who need to be visited. I mean these these are the ladies that we will financially support. Have you seen churches do this? Not in terms of this, uh, where, you know, if, if she is uh, not less than 60, you know, and, and on— I haven't seen a list of widows that a church has has made in order to support them. Now, like you've said, 
I, th- I think most congregations uh, have a, a list of those that are widowed uh, and and would need visiting and that sort of thing. Um, here at Louisville, we do have a list like that. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a, a deacon that has the responsibility of making sure that those widows are cared for. Um, and, and that can range anywhere from financial support to support around their house or whatever might need done. Um, and so there is that element of it, but using the criteria that, that Paul mentions here, especially the age, I, I've never seen that. Yeah, I haven't either. So my question is, should, should we have a list like this? If we're trying to be um, the New Testament church, clearly they had one in Ephesus. We have elders, we have deacons, we don't have a widow's list. Are we missing out here? We may be. We may be. There's yeah. There's elements of this that that you would think would lend themselves to an appropriate action, you know, from the church. You know, as you look at the at the uh, rest of what he states here, which um, we'll get to in just a moment, but there's three elements that he uses as a criteria uh, for those that would um, fall under. Um, you know, the guys of needing to be supported financially um, by the church, and that is under the uh, not not under the age of 60, um, having a good reputation uh, and hus- uh, only having, um, you know, faithful in her marriage or, mm-hmm. or uh, right. uh, the wife of one husband. So um, those three elements that, that we see here, I think, are, are good criteria. And maybe it's just that as Paul lays this out, uh, he's saying you need to have some kind of standard set so that, as you mentioned a moment ago, it, it's not abused. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe we have that, only it's, it, it just looks different. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I have no doubt that this happens all the time behind the scenes, churches yeah. helping widows. and But just as I read this, it's almost like he's saying, all right, we know there's a list and it's been published. So, I mean, can you imagine what it would be like if you showed up at a church on a Sunday and you grab a bulletin and you have elders, ministers, widows list? Or, <laughs> or you get on get on the website and you go to the About Us page and you have the different links and here's a link to our ministers, elders, and uh, widows we support. I mean, we don't, we don't do that. I don't know of any church who does, but right. it just... Maybe I'm taking this too far, but it, it, it's listening to Paul's language. It almost sounds like you know the list I'm talking about, like Santa Claus talking about. You know the list I'm talking about. There is a list, right? Uh, and when you start adding or taking away from your list, here's some things to to keep in mind. I don't know. It's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, it, I would I would say just a suggestion that I would have is if a congregation does not have uh, a list that it works from, then they ought to, they ought to engage in that. And, and maybe, you know, not necessarily using the criteria that Paul mentions here for the church in Ephesus, but, um, developing something that fits their congregation. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, certainly, as you mentioned a moment ago, James says, you know, pure and an undefiled religion before God is to take care of widows and orphans. Mm-hmm. And so we know that's our responsibility, but Paul makes it clear that again, if 
if a, a widow has family, then the family ought to support them. But if that's not present, then the church has the responsibility. So we need to be- make sure that we are uh, fulfilling that role of supporting yeah. and serving yeah. our widows. All right, last question. Great comments, Keith. Um, if we get outside of widows and we get back to how we started with this familial relationship, taking care of one another, how do we do a better job? And I think COVID taught us this a little bit that we weren't aware because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people slip through the cracks. But how does the church do a better job being attentive to those who may need help, even if the external indicators are not clear, like the, well, they spend a lot of time in prayer and doing good deeds. How do we just do a better job of knowing who who needs help? Probably one of the biggest downfalls of, of the church today is um, the lack of more focused groups. And what I mean by that is um, much smaller circles and and a responsibility of uh, the individuals within those smaller circles um, of relationship. I think if, uh, you know, there, there, there are some churches that, that do have, you know, like a small groups ministry and that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of times those, um, you know, uh, those groups foster a, a greater element of knowing what, our brothers and sisters need. Um, but I think it, it begins with the leadership and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, as, as Paul was writing to Timothy, uh, he's urging Timothy to make sure that these teachings are known, uh, and not just known, but are continued to, uh, to be spread mm-hmm. among the people. So for us, I mean, as, as ministers, as, elders it's our responsibility to foster that kind of atmosphere now that may play out in very different ways depending on the congregation um for instance you know here um a few years ago well pre-covid really there was a a, you know a ministry uh, that's tagged as brothers keepers and and through that ministry um you know people were checked on and and cared for and you know very much like small groups all the different groups understood exactly what the people needed and and were involved in each other's lives so maybe maybe what we need to do is just um reignite or re-engage ministries like that where through smaller groups of close-knit relationships we understand and can communicate freely what we need or what we, um, you know, what we're going through and therefore be able to better support and help one another. Yeah, that's all well said. And people most of the time are not going to volunteer on their own that they need help. Yep. You have to do a little bit of digging and observing and watching uh, to come to that conclusion. But yeah, if the church doesn't take care of them, who who is going to take care of them? Especially as Paul says, especially if they don't have family. Yeah. Um, particularly if someone's a first generation Christian and their parents aren't Christians, um, that's a great time for the church to step up and show the world, specifically those individuals' families, what the church is all about. So, right. Yeah. Well, I sure appreciate you uh, taking the time today. Uh, 
to join us. You're 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 getting your doctorate like I am right now. You're gonna be Doctor Harris. Maybe. <laughs> I bet I'm not you quite will. as smart as you though, so it's it's a, a bigger struggle for me. Well, I fully expect you to walk around Louisville wearing a stethoscope once you become oh, Doctor yeah. Harris. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time, Keith, and thanks to those who listened to us today. Sorry we have taken a long uh, sabbatical here from the podcast, but we plan to get it back up and going this fall. And we hope you have a great day. As always, uh, keep your eyes on heaven, and we look forward to talking with you next time. God bless. God bless.